What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast with me, your host, The Bishop, TW Takes. Do not forget, do not forget, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TW Takes Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Email me with all your terrible takes at bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. It's now time for more terrible wrestling takes. Oh, shit. Here we go. What a Twitter-filled wrestling weekend we've had. Sunday and Monday were full of what the fuck is going on. Those of you out there that follow the Twitter, at TW Takes Podcast, believe it, you've seen my opinions. I am completely flabbergasted at the AEW Revolution pay-per-view. I try to be as down the middle as I can on everything. My mission statement for this entire podcast has been take it as they give it to us. Only only go by what we see on TV. Not what we want to happen. Not what we think should happen. Not even what somebody else said might happen. What did they give us on TV? And the fact that these AEW, as they say in the wrestling business, marks are defending to the high heavens everything AEW does. It does a disservice to the fan base and the company itself. If the company itself was paying attention to the internet the way they claim, then if you put them on blast, they will change for the better. I want nothing more, absolutely nothing more, than dope wrestling at It's most convenient for me. If NXT moves to Tuesday night, if AEW is standalone 8 o'clock, then I want Monday through Friday, give me something on Thursday as well, that's at 8 o'clock. I put on the TV, 8 o'clock, boom, I got wrestling. Now, once it's there, the last thing I want to do is waste my time. I've said this about Raw. I've said this about Raw. I don't want to feel like I'm wasting my time. And... I don't fucking not shit on WWE either. When I did Wrestling on the Rocks the Tuesday after the elimination pay-per-view, I told Marsh straight up. I felt like it was a glorified Raw. I felt like we had a Raw on Sunday. Okay? You want to advertise a pay-per-view with with matches that are for viable championships and all this shit and however you want to lay it out. If you're going to add hype to something and you don't deliver, that's on you. And it's up to us to be honest with the company and the rest of the fan base on how we really feel. I try watching AEW. I give it an honest effort every time I put it on. I don't hate watch a thing. That's a complete waste of my time to hate watch. So the last thing I want to do is hate watch. But if I put it on, I expect to be entertained. I expect to see tweets in real life be put into the wrestling ring. I see AEW fans out there, and they love this shit. And when I look at it, I'm trying to see what they see. I'm trying to see it. The Exploding Barbed Wire match started out as one of the best Kenny Omega matches that I've seen. And then as every high point of the match came, the match got worse and worse. The explosions were mistiming. Things were looking like shit. And now they want to backtrack at the end of it saying that, oh, well, Kenny Omega's not a good engineer. What do you mean? You just allow a wrestler... 
to set up explosives around the ring? What if he used too much? Fuck not enough. What if he used too much? You can't put this on the wrestler. That makes zero sense to me. Zero sense to me. This is on AEW as a company. The stories they tell. Let's even say that you're going to tell the story that Kenny Omega is the one that, the one that designed it, the one that built it, and all that shit. Where's the meat of that story while we're going through this? Oh, you got worked? No, we didn't get worked. You didn't tell us. You're supposed to tell us something. Kenny Omega put out a drawing on fucking on a napkin on Twitter. That doesn't mean that he's the one that actually went in and built the entire fucking match. Video package didn't say that Kenny Omega built the ring and Moxley just trusted it was going to happen. So stupid. So stupid. And then during the match, they were trying not to hit the barbed wire tables as if they were going to explode too. Now, yes, you don't want to land in a barbed wire, but you'd feel much safer about that. I thought the first two explosion spots were pretty cool. I thought uh, Moxley hitting the ropes uh, and his reaction was pretty cool. And then Omega hitting the ropes chest first was pretty cool. I thought uh, Moxley putting his foot on the rope to kick out or to, to not get hit with the pin and then the, the shit exploded. I thought that was cool. I thought the, the table spots on the outside, the exploding pads, I thought those were trash. And of course the ending that blew up the fucking internet. I'm sorry, man. I You can't backtrack that. You just can't. You can't. I, I said, why didn't they... Why do they make the ring explode? WWE does it all the time. Find a way to dismantle the ring in in real time. Somebody's got to know how to do it. Do something. Something. Then Eddie Kingston is selling it way past the entire entire fucking uh, pay-per-view. You see video clips of Moxley cutting a promo for like three minutes. And Eddie Kingston is still selling it. Now... Like I said to the response of Tony Khan coming out and say, "Oh well, this is Omega and he built a shitty ring." So what are you saying about what are you saying about Eddie Kingston? He sold for no reason. Eddie Kingston sold as if the biggest explosion possible happened around him. He did that for you, for you, Tony, for you, Kenny. Eddie did that for you guys. So now Eddie's the fool because he sold when he shouldn't have. We all know what we're watching. We all know what we're watching. So who fucked up? Did Eddie Kingston fuck up? Because even Moxley said it, right? Uh, Kenny Kenny Omega took me to my limit. And he's a great wrestler, but he's one shitty mechanic or architect or whatever it was. How he can't build a fucking barbed wire. But guess who sold the exploding barbed wire? Your boy who's laying on his back right behind you. So say what you want, but you're not covering up for Kenny. And you're not helping out Eddie Kingston. Makes zero sense to me. Zero sense. And that those are simple. Those are simple ones. Just come out and say it. It didn't go off as planned. Uh, we fucked up. But it was one hell of a match. And that's it. That's all you had to say. It's all you had to say. It's all you had to say. But to keep twisting and turning and spinning the narrative, you're fucking up. And that's what the fans do. That's what the fans do. Oh, I'm not going to let the explosion take away from a great pay-per-view. Number one, not a great pay-per-view. Number two, kind of a good match. Kind of a good match. It was less it was less paint by numbers than their first uh false count anywhere hard hardcore death match where they had the mattress full of barbed wire. Which that match wasn't wasn't that great either. This this wasn't 
This wasn't a great pay-per-view, and you have to hold them accountable. I can't hold AEW accountable because I don't watch often enough. I don't watch often enough to hold them accountable, but I can give you my honest opinion. I sat down. I watched AEW. I watched the entire pay-per-view. Perfect example, the women's wrestling match. I saw comments saying that that's typical Joshi women's wrestling. Oh, okay. I didn't like the match at all. I fucking love women's wrestling. If anyone's ever listened to this podcast, I don't go many podcasts without saying I fucking love women's wrestling. Come to find out if this is what what is called a Joshi, Joshi women's wrestling match, I don't like that style of wrestling. So if they executed that to perfection, I now understand that it was a match done well in that style. I don't like that style. That's it. That's it. And I also see Kenny Omega's influence. Because in Kenny Omega's standard matches, he does a lot of Joshi shit. And that's what I don't like about his wrestling. That's all. That's all that is. It made more sense to me than ever watching that match. So the women's title match then sets up for a a six-woman tag match on Dynamite, which is fine, right? Which is fine. You now have adversaries becoming teammates with the face of AEW's women wrestling in Thunder Rosa, because she gets talked about more than anyone else, against the three evils. That works. They did a great job. You started to tell a story that through the respect of Joshi wrestling, these two women are now willing to team against a common enemy. Great. That's great. That's what you're supposed to do. But what they did in the Exploding Barbed Wire match is not what you're supposed to do. And even coming out of it, just admit it. Just say you fucked up. I swear, if you go back in the archives and you listen to my All Out on AEW, like, I was sick to my stomach watching the Matt Hardy shit. And then they come out and say that nobody nobody took blame for what happened in that instance. And I was like, I, I gave it a chance. Matt Hardy came out on Wednesday. And he said he had to take time to get better. Nobody said, my bad, I fucked up. Aubrey was refereeing that match, and she's supposed to be the best referee you have. She put the X up. They were supposed to cancel that match at that point in time. Somebody else said, nah, son, move forward. And that is fucked up. And then nobody owned it afterwards. And nobody's owning this mistake either. If you're saying that I got worked in this mistake, well, you worked me out of ever watching again. My comment overall on the pay-per-view was that you did enough to get a non-fan to come watch. I'm not a fan of AEW. I am not. Mostly because they don't storytell in the ring. They don't hook me and bring me along in the ring. They're always too plotting. It's always A, B, C, D, all the way to Z. Most matches, okay? Most matches. But they did everything to bring me in, and then they did exactly what they needed to for me not to watch again. So on this AEW diatribe that I'm going on right now, I'm going to keep pointing those things out, okay? The barbed wire match was massive. Massive. Because anyone who's a WWE fan whatsoever will want Moxley to succeed regardless of what happens. So you can put him in any kind of match. When we turn that shit on, we want to see Moxley succeed. It started out really good. 
again that that kick out by putting his foot on the rope it's great and a lot of the a lot of the action in the the actual match was really good too they did a good job trying to show how one's stronger than the other and how effective the barbed wire would be once it explodes and you hit it and all that shit their spots through the table look great commentary was fucking it up you know that's another thing that we'll talk about i mean I'm fucking what, 10, 12 minutes in right now, and I, I haven't even gotten to any <laughs> anything else. Look, the the Young Bucks and MJF versus Jericho match, okay? I'm the least the least likely, if I was voted anything by the wrestling community, least likely to be a Young Buck fan. That's me. Least likely to be a Young Buck fan. Within two minutes, there was a double sharpshooter spot. What are you doing? What are you doing? How how are Jericho and MJF that fucking vulnerable? What is this match? Again, another cut and paste Young Buck match. Young Bucks don't even allow themselves to get beat to a pulp to make themselves come out of the adversity. Jericho hits one of them with a, a fucking pipe or a wrench or some shit. 30 seconds later, they're getting the pin. Where's the recovery? What are you actually battling through? You're battling through your opponent's ability to throw a punch. There's no registering of any pain or adversity. They're not overcoming anything. They're just in a fight. And in this particular fight, I throw a punch. And if I'm not throwing one, then you do it. And then it's my turn. And then it's your turn. And then it's my turn. But they don't actually hurt because they just keep moving. Their match against uh, 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 Cody and Dustin was fun. Yes, the, the first two matches that they had against Phoenix and Pentagon in AEW. The first one, I didn't quite understand, and then the commentary told a really good story. The second one was really fun. Okay. Since then, though, it's been every fucking match. The same fucking thing. I can't do it. I can't do it. None of it. None of it adds up. None of it adds up. I mean, when when I watch this match, this one in particular, Jericho and MJF versus the Young Bucks, this one in particular, I, I thought to myself, remember when when Brock fucking hit Braun in the face? I don't remember if it was a knee or a punch. And he just yells, slow down. This is where Jericho has to do that. He's fucking been wrestling for 30 years. Tell these guys to slow the fuck down. Why aren't you slowing down to even just tell the story? No, let's get to the next spot, to the next spot, to the next spot, to the next spot, to the next spot. They're putting 10 pounds of shit in a 5-pound bag. And it's overrun with shit. But if it's for you, that's fine. Again, if it's for you, that's fine. If you you like car crashes, if you like movies that are all about action, like The Expendables. The Expendables, they do tell a story, but man, it's way more about action than anything else. There is no real story. They're mercenaries. They go on a trip. They come back. That's it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if, if that's fine, enjoy it. But there's 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 a way to to tell stories to get people emotionally invested. And when I see you get hit with a pipe, and then by the end of, I don't know, 30 seconds later, you're now pinning the opponent. Like, what does the pipe do? Are you Superman? Are these guys invincible? Is that what I'm missing? That they they are Marvel characters? I don't understand. 
the casino tag team battle royal was pretty cool. I mean, you know, you could see that they're developing stories, like what they did with QT Marshall and and Dustin. Uh, you know, other than that, like the Luchasaurus spot, right? Like, again, I, I can't. It's it's hard for me to come on here and and not just shit on stuff because that's what st- that's what stands out for me. But for instance, I, I like Luchasaurus. I think it's unique. So give us some unique shit. When that, that motherfucker, he's like, what, like 6'10 with roundhouse kicks. And he's got a gimmick. The, the, this di- the ancient dinosaur shit. Like, that's dope. Now do something. And the way they present his offense is not the way they present his defense. His offense, he's supposed to be super fucking strong. I mean, this guy, he was choke, double choke slam in the tag teams, right? And he gets one of the varsity blondes. And then I believe it was Brian Pillman Jr. that he puts his hand out and then uh, Jr. just walks into his hand. What are you doing? He gets these double choke slams, double choke slam, double choke slam. It, and then he just gets like thrown out the ring, you know, with no real offense uh, taken. You know, it was just, just weak ass defense. So I, I, I don't know. Uh, Ray Phoenix doing that fucking tightrope kick, I thought was phenomenal. Uh, he's one hell of an athlete. Him and Jungle Boy had a had a cool sequence, but again, you're not registering anything. You're just going move by move by move by move by move. And they, yeah, everyone does it. They do it all the time. But shout to Phoenix and uh and, and Pac. They they get their shot. They get their shot at the tag titles. Who knows when? Uh, I was a big big Neville fan, so I want to see him succeed too. Uh, what what else they had? They had the um, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor versus Miro and Kip Sabian. Now, I understand there's beef. I've seen some of it adjacently because I'm trying to see if Miro is presented like a savage, and he's not. I, I see all the memes about him being in weddings and what he had to go through in WWE and all this shit. And look, when when I look at Miro, I see the size. I see the athlete. I know how good he can be. And this match was the first time outside of WWE I've seen him look legit. Uh, I, I was actually impressed with how he looked in this particular match. I liked I liked how they found a way to beat down Cassidy beforehand. Chuck Taylor had to go one-on-two. When Cassidy came out, they showed some life. Oh, they were able to recover. And then Miro just beat the piss out of everybody. So... That's how you tell the story. That's how you build up the people in the ring to go, well, there is something behind your baby faces here, but the heels did too much to take them out. Like that's it's that simple. That simple. And you can do that in all of the matches. And even if if you were trying to 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 hype up Orange Cassidy, you could have found a way with the um shit, what the hell's her name? Penelope. With the Penelope distraction to have Miro lose. Even with them being beat down, because Cassidy is loved that much. So you can understand the strength of his baby face. So I was more than fine with the way this match happened. It was actually really well, really well done. I love the fact that Miro cared more about winning than what was happening with, with Chuck and Penelope. Not Chuck, um, Kip, Kip and Penelope. I was more than happy with that. It showed that, that Miro does care about this. And with him caring about what was happening, then Kip and Penelope are now going to be wondering what Mira's priorities are. 
Well, yeah, I'm trying to win matches, motherfucker. Now Miro can do whatever he wants. He has an attitude now. He has a presence now. That's how you build him. That simple. Page versus Hardy. Why? Why? The only thing I remember about the match is uh, Private Party, I think it was, came out to interfere. And one standing on one side. And then the other one comes up on the other side. And then something happens. Well, that was about like a minute and 45 seconds of action where we're waiting for the next spot and waiting for the next spot and waiting for the next spot. Why? Why? What's up with the timing? What is up with the timing of these matches and the moves and all that shit? When I'm watching Young Buck matches and I see, oh, well, they're going to do this. This is where the Jackson guy jumps out the ring and does the backflip moonsault off the apron. Like, it's always the same shit. Always set up and go, set up and go, set up and go, set up and go. There's no fluidity to these matches, man. But I don't know, man. I'm just a WWE mark who has a podcast who fucking shills out for the network. Can't wait for Peacock to be fucking two fifty a month for four months. So I don't have to worry about spending money on pay-per-views. Fuck out of here. Fucking ladder match, right? Let's talk about how... Let's talk about who cares about what. You know, when... When AEW fans and WWE fans go back and forth, and I see people talk all this shit, and and you know, I, I sometimes I jump in, sometimes I don't. It's hard for me to not jump in because I do have an opinion. I mean, that's why I have a podcast. But people need to realize when they go all out and in, in supporting AEW, you're supporting the idea. That WWE is a a Vince McMahon stronghold, and Vince McMahon's out of touch. This this face of the revolution battle royal with the hemorrhoid donut sized brass ring, it's a complete mockery of something that should be cherished by people really in any field. Reaching for the brass ring is something you should strive for in everything you do. The brass ring is symbolic of success. Symbolic of hard work. The reward from it. Just because you don't work hard enough to achieve the brass ring doesn't mean you got to shit all over it. I mean, based off of every promo of people coming out of WWE, they shit on the concept of the brass ring. And now fucking almost, what, two years later? You're going to have a brass ring at the top of a ladder. Who cares about who? Who cares about who? Again, WWE is out there making $3 billion deals. You can't sell AEW for a billion dollars. It's not going to happen. They're not worth it. They're not worth it. You got... You got matches even just like... Even just like this fucking ladder match. Lance, Lance Archer, the biggest fucking dude in the world in this fucking company, gets smacked up, right? Taken out. Then he gets sandwiched in a ladder, okay? You want to you wanna keep talking shit on WWE. This is something that you take for granted from WWE. The presentation of the next spot after Lance Archer gets sandwiched in a ladder. Go back and watch it. It takes about... A minute and a half, maybe two minutes, 
for Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky to get through what it is that they're working on, their movesets, and Lance Archer's on all fours, waiting for the for the ladder to get dropped on him again. And I know that because the camera was never taken off of him. Every angle they had, he was in the shot. So that production value that you get from WWE, where you usually don't see that happening. Okay, remember when The Fiend got caught jumping over the railing and everybody flipped the fuck out? Yet an obvious mistake like this in production value barely gets talked about. That's how perfect AEW, I'm sorry, that's how perfect WWE is in their execution of production value. Now, Monday night, we had some fucking wonky camera issues. I don't know what the fuck they were doing. They kept cutting back and forth and zooming in and out at the same fucking time. I don't know what that was all about. But this Lance Lance Archer ladder spot really fucking bothered me. Because you have the opportunity, again, to pull in a non-AEW fan, and you have a glaring issue like that. I mean... Do we put that on Lance Archer, that he didn't just lay down and watch the action so when the spot came up, he started to get up and then braced for the ladder? That's possible. But since he's not doing that, you also can blame it on the production crew for keeping him in the fucking shot. The entire sequence of events after that happened was between Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, and that's it. And they both had a a decent amount of offense while Lance Archer's sitting on all fours waiting for the ladder to get smacked on him again. Why? Why? Now, the rest of the action in the match was pretty good. Okay? The, the way all ladder matches are, minus the greatest ladder match of all time. Between AJ, Sammy, and Jeff Hardy. Because with three people in there, you only had room to keep the action moving at all times between three people. When you have a six-man ladder match like this, two people do some work here, two people do some work there. Two here, three here. Three here, four there. One guy gets knocked out. You got five guys going for it. Pull this person down. It, you know what I mean? There's there's a lot lot more different ways to get people involved where when you have just a three-man ladder match or a two-man two ladder match, it's more intense. So we had some really good spots. It was, it was a decent match. But when you put that cartoon character ring up there, a lot of people calling it the Sonic ring. Look like a hemorrhoid donut to me. I'm just saying you, you, you want to say that you know, where we're different than WWE and, you know, we're not this, we're not that. When you look at the presentation of what you do, you're a caricature of what caricatures are. Wrestling is exactly that. It's a fucking TV show. It's caricatures on turned up to 11 across the board. Okay? I'm not... I just... I, I hate the fact that AEW constantly pokes shots at WWE when they fucking missed the mark across the board. The fucking street fight. The street fight. How awesome was the action of the street fight? It's fucking great. One of the best versions of a cinematic match. A really, really good street fight. I don't even care about Sting getting the victory over Ricky Starks. Because in my opinion, Sting of course would do the right thing. Down the line within the next six months to lose a match to Ricky Starks. Believably at that. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? You just got to set the tone. Sting's the icon. He's a Hall of Famer. So of course he's going to win his first match back. Why not? So set the tone. Then when Ricky Starks gets his opportunity, he will beat Sting. And it'll be great. And when he does, hopefully he does it without Team Taz helping him out. 
But that street fight was awesome. My fucking problem? I tweeted this out. Sent a text to a buddy. And was like, how many different cameras are they using? It's as if they used five different quality of cameras. We got an 8K. We got a 4K. We got a fucking JVC camcorder. We got JVC Kaboom box. Oh, somebody's got an iPhone. I got the Google Pixel 3A. Oh, we're all taking different angles, different camera qualities. Every time they cut, it was fucking different. It was so distracting by eye. And they flooded the match with commentary. One of the great takeaways from the Firefly Funhouse and the, um, uh, what was it? The, the, the fucking Boneyard match. Apologies. The Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse. Two of those biggest takeaways were the banter, the shit talk. And you can tell with the effort that those guys were putting in, it felt like not you you can tell that if they were allowed to shit talk, it would have been great. You you can see I, I don't know for sure, but it, it was almost as if they weren't allowed to shit talk each other, so commentary can happen. But not only did they have their normal booth, they also added in Tash. You have four voices over top of this match, and it was it was so fucking clunky and distracting, plus the camera cuts. Different quality of cameras. There's this glossy fucking picture of whatever Darby's doing. And then there's this crystal clear shot of Sting's face. And then another cloudy, smoky one. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? It was so distracting. That in the commentary was so distracting. You put it on mute. You rewatch it. And you go, okay, camera cuts or camera quality is a little whack. But man, this action is really fucking good. So when I say I take what they give me, and I go from there, this is what they gave me. They gave me a really good match with really shitty camera qualities and really shitty commentary. You had the opportunity. Now, yes, I could come back and go, man, that Taz, that Taz Sting stuff, man, it's really building somewhere. Hopefully next time they execute that other shit better. And I can give them that. But now I know that Young Bucks are changing the channel moments for me. Gimmick matches are changing the channel moment for me. Because they fucked up They fucked up three gimmick matches. If you're going to tell me you're going to have a ladder match for the brass ring, I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. Because I don't need to be in on the joke. Exploding barbed wire death match? No, it's a fucking barbed, <laughs> barbed wire sprinkler match. Sparkler match. Might as well use sprinklers. Fucking wet t-shirt contest next time. Maybe it'd be more dangerous. I get it, though. Look, a barbed wire match in itself is crazy. It was a crazy, action-packed match. But if you say it's just a barbed wire death match, no explosions, how awesome was that match? You tell me there's supposed to be explosions. You tell me the timer is going to set off all the explosions. So Moxley's the fool because he believed Kenny Omega was going to put explosions? We're the fools because we got worked? No. They said there's going to be explosions. They said at the end of the timer, there's going to, all the explosives were going off. No, they didn't go off. Or Kenny's going to be like, hey, I told you all the explosives. I didn't tell you how many were going to be there. Oh, okay, so you let a wrestler rig pyro around the ring. So he set up the ring went back to the locker room and then made his entrance? Right. 
Right. That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. So, look, that was me watching AEW. I tried. I gave it a shot. They had every opportunity. Just like when they went over to TNA, I'm sorry, to Impact on Tuesday night, they had every opportunity to pull me in. When they did the same promo Tuesday and Wednesday, I was like, okay, I'm good. You're you're doing lazy storytelling, and you're trying to drag me along. I'm not going to do it. And I didn't. I didn't watch any of the Impact pay-per-views. I waited until now. You got Ethan Page showing up, and he's all elite now. So he's no longer, not only is he no longer with the North, but he's no longer a part of Impact. How shady is that? Hmm? Hmm? Why don't you guys do the right thing and just merge the companies? But you can't do that because then you have to have some type of structure to what you do and actually have a women's division. Yeah. 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 Highlight for me was also a low light was Christian being the Hall of Fame talent. Um, my first thoughts is I was just I was just sad for what what they could have done in WWE if WWE wanted to. Um, him and Edge teaming again, going after tag teams. Him and Edge having matches against each other would have been would have been really cool to see. And I say that because I trust Edge as a performer more than I ever have. And what he and Christian can do together, knowing that they can wrestle together, I think would be... I think they would put on something memorable. A match you can watch two, three, four, ten years from now and go, man, that was really cool when they had the opportunity to do that. And I don't anticipate that happening. Um, Edge is going to wrestle as long as he can. Uh, and and maybe, I, I don't know... the. The, the contract details with Christian, supposedly they're signing everyone to long-term deals anyway. We'll see. We'll see. You know, maybe maybe in a year or two we get that opportunity. Uh, but I wish Christian the best, man. If, if he is what everyone says he is as far as in the business goes with his mind. And look, when, on backstage, which shout out to backstage with the RIP because Christian's not going to be there. So, who knows? Uh, anyway, you know, I'm backstage. Christian broke down wrestling in a way that I was like, yep, yep. He is who they say he is. He has a great mind for the business. Uh, the the revival, sorry, FTR talks about him so highly on how technical of a savage he is. I don't remember much of his singles run. I wasn't watching then. I know he did great work in Impact. He was a champion there. What have you. I mean, he's highly regarded by the community. I would love to see something of his worth my time. And I'm sure he would put that on. I don't know if I can trust AEW with producing such thing. So that's all I got on AEW Revolution. It went a lot longer than I thought it would. So I'm going to save Raw for NXT. And do Raw and NXT together. I'll do SmackDown who knows, maybe with Raw. This way I do SmackDown and Raw before my before the go-home. Uh, NXT should be dope. Got two major announcements and two title matches. So I'm looking forward to that. As far as AEW is concerned, I'm sorry. You guys had a chance to keep me. Shit ain't going to happen now. Check out the website, TWTakesPodcast.com. Shirts are being printed now. They should be here within two weeks 
I'm ordering some other shit. I'm trying to get everything shipped to me so I can put packages together and different combos of merch and, and do bulk discounts and giveaways and all that shit. I want everything in my presence so I can be able to, to give back to you guys who have provided for me. So keep an eye out at uh, Takes Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Most updates will be on Twitter. Stay close. Watch to the uh, to the website twtakespodcast.com. dot com. All all t shirts will be at twtakespodcast.com dot com slash twts. It's t w t e e s. Fast lane coming up. Myself and Marsh will be doing a watch along together again. Uh, like doing watch alongs with that guy. He's a good dude. Check out Wrestling on the Rocks over on Twitch. Their podcast feed as well. W o t r the show on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, we will be doing a watch along together. If the merch is here in time, believe it, I will be giving shit away. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shout out to at Rasslin Pins. Just ordered my Bearer, Dead Man, Razor, and Hulkamaniac. I was on the fence about the Hulkamaniac. Don't get on my shit, but I'm supporting at Rasslin Pins. They are uh, a good company, they do great work. I am supporting them. I didn't want to have everything but. I wanted the entire collection that they're doing. Um, Hey, hopefully I get rares, right? Fingers crossed. They did say to be on the lookout for some surprises. So if I get some surprises, we'll be looking at doing giveaways with that as well. WrestleMania season coming around. We have some dope shit to look forward to. We're looking at supposedly an NXT takeover on a Thursday night. Two nights of WrestleMania. There's about 10 days worth of shit. And I'm trying to do some awesome, awesome podcasting for that week. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. At TW Takes Podcast on all social media. TWTakesPodcast.com. You know the deal. So, with that being said, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TWTakesPodcast on Instagram and Twitter. Share your terrible wrestling takes via my pinned tweet. Email me, BishopTWTakes at gmail.com. Until next time.